Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry, featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two ministers of God's economy who served together in China for nearly 20 years. Watchman Nee was imprisoned by the Chinese government in 1952 and remained there until his death in 1972. Following his imprisonment, Witness Lee carried on this ministry in Taiwan and eventually in America and ultimately around the world. He served the Lord for more than 70 years before going to be with him in 1997. His major contribution was through a 21-year labor he called Life Study, an exhaustive commentary on the entire Bible. This program is based on those messages. Before we join today's show, we'd like to give you our website where you can find more programs just like this one. It's lsmradio.org. Again, LSM radio.org. Now, here's our show today. In the book of Daniel, there's an insightful and inspiring account of four young Hebrews who were held captive in Babylon, but who were able to overcome the blinding tactics of Satan to see God's vision concerning all of human government throughout history. There's much that we can gain from this story, both concerning their victory but also for us to see this timeless vision. Hope you'll stay with us today for a marvelous life study from the book of Daniel and the interpretation of King Nebuchadnezzar's dream of the great human image. Matt Miller is here with us today as we consider this vision and the victory of these four young captives. Matt, before we kind of dive in here today, this is a life study taken from Daniel chapter 2. It's a well-known chapter because of its prophetic implications. And a lot of Bible interpreters have ascribed proper significance to this chapter. And we're going to look at this great image and Nebuchadnezzar's famous dream. But the title of this life study is actually also emphasizes the victory of the young descendants of God's degraded elect over Satan's further devices, over the devilish blinding that prevents God's people from seeing this vision concerning human government throughout all of human history. Most of the program is going to be focused on the vision that Nebuchadnezzar saw and Daniel interprets and its significance. So I thought maybe to begin, let's touch this matter of the victory of these four young Hebrews. Quite something, isn't it? Yes, Chris. And like you said, this is the second message on the victory of the young descendants of God's degraded elect over Satan's further devices. The first victory you read the rest of the title over the devilish blinding in chapter 2. But the first victory was over the demonic diet in chapter 1. And we covered that in the last program. Right Now we're covering in message 3 the victory over the devilish blinding. And it's a striking story. You said it's a popular story. There's one thing in the story that I think a lot of people miss, and that is that when Nebuchadnezzar got this dream— He was troubled. He brought the magicians and the wise men to himself to get the dream interpreted. And they said, sure, just tell us what the dream is and we'll interpret it for you. And he says, no, you need to tell me the dream. And they're like, well, no one's ever done this before. And Witness Lee calls this a joke as we get into his portion here in the first segment. But it is, in a sense, a joke. But it's interesting that it points out that he didn't have a heart. 
even though he saw this vision, which is the history of the human government. It's a giant vision. It's really important. It says he was troubled in his spirit. So Nebuchadnezzar's spirit was troubled, and he wanted to know what it was, but he couldn't remember. And the reason was he was so vain and worldly. He didn't have a heart for God's economy. He didn't have a heart. So the vision that was unveiled to Daniel came through the prayer with his other overcoming friends. Their real names were Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. Right. They're normally thought of as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but these were their Babylonian names. The ones you just named were their Hebrew names, right? Correct. So so these young ones, the first thing that Daniel did when they came to destroy him in chapter 2, verse 16, he said he sought from the king that he would give him a time to declare the interpretation. So the other wise men said, well, we can't do it. Daniel said, give me some time. So the first thing he did in verse 17, he went to his house. He made the thing known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and that they might request compassions from before the God of heavens concerning the mystery so that Daniel and his companions would not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. Wow. That's their victory. That's the victory. And Daniel, as we see, both saw the dream that Nebuchadnezzar forgot and got the interpretation. Of course, when he repeated the dream, I'm sure that brought forth the recollection to Nebuchadnezzar, and he realized, wait, I'm getting the real story here. This is the real deal. And we see that at the end of the chapter when Nebuchadnezzar, after this whole thing is described in detail and interpreted in detail, which helps us today, Nebuchadnezzar responded, oh, we need to worship Daniel. (laughs) Your God is the real God. Right. So, Matt, this account dates back, I don't know now, must be, you know, more than 2,500 years minimum, you know, probably more than that. Yet this vision, this dream and its interpretation as is relevant for us today, I think we'll see that in today's program and in coming programs. That's why I said there's something here for us, not just to you know be inspired by the pattern of these four young overcomers, but this vision is significant and as relevant to us today as it was for them. This really struck me this time going through this portion, a portion I've read countless times, but all we seem to find... The Lord has something fresh to speak. I really pray that's our experience today. And our prayer is that the devilish blinding that they overcame, that the listeners today who are hearing this program could also overcome the devilish blinding. Well, I'm sure some listening aren't as familiar with this story, even though we've talked about how well-known it is. So I've selected just some portions from this whole chapter as we go through the program today that I hope will give a good context and enough of a basis that all can be Uh, able to enter in. Daniel chapter 2 starts out in verse 1. And in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed dreams, and his spirit was troubled, and his sleep left him. Now we jump ahead to verse 31 after Daniel has approached his friends, and they've prayed. And Daniel came to the king and said, You, O king, were watching, and there was a single great image. Its head was of fine gold, its breast and its arms of silver, its abdomen and its thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron, partly of clay. 
quite something, Matt. I tried deliberately to slow down and emphasize these four parts of this great human image, each quite well-defined, a head, a breast with arms, an abdomen, legs, and feet, each made of different components, different minerals or materials. All of this has great significance. And as I said, it's meaningful for us today as it was for Daniel and his free companions. Why don't we join Witness Lee with this first portion. We have come to the victory of the young descendants of God's degraded elect over Satan's further devices. This is over the devilish blinding that prevents people from seeing God's vision concerning the human government throughout human history. Firstly, Nebuchadnezzar's marvelous dream. Nebuchadnezzar was troubled in spirit by the dream. I'm glad that he realized his problem is in his spirit. Troubled in his spirit by his dream because he forgot what he dreamed. And all the magicians, all the wise men of Babylon and the Chaldeans were unable to tell him the dream. That's hard. Suppose I dream the dream I forgot and ask you all to tell me what the dream is. This is a joke. But now Nebuchadnezzar was a golden head. He had such an high authority to demand people. Now, Daniel's vision from God concerning Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Daniel got a dream. Isn't this wonderful? Well, Matt, I think maybe our listeners can see we've, we've purposely cut Witness Lee's portion quite short today because of the audio quality of the recording. It's too bad. It's a marvelous message. But we know it's a little difficult to understand, so we've kept these portions short. So you and I will do our best to cover these uh, in more detail. One of the things that really struck me initially about Daniel's receiving the interpretation with his friends, as you pointed out when he prayed, his companions, was that Daniel really never exalted himself, but exalted God exclusively, giving God all of the glory, didn't he? He took none of this for himself. Once he got the dream, in verse 19 it says, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of the heavens. So the first thing he does is bless God. So many of us, we want to be blessed. And as we see eventually, Nebuchadnezzar wanted to worship Daniel. But Daniel's answer in verse 20 is, let the name of God be blessed from eternity to eternity. He wants to bless God, for wisdom and might are his. Daniel's in front of the greatest king on earth, Nebuchadnezzar, in this great kingdom, and he's being threatened to be killed by him, and yet the greater one, God, opens up this vision to Daniel, and Daniel's blessing God for opening it up and saving his life and his companions' lives, and he really gives God the glory. Let's talk a little bit about this image. It's a human figure, a giant human figure, described with four parts, just like we are made, a head, a breast and arms, the abdomen, legs, and feet with toes. Each of these four had a particular element or mineral. The head was of gold. 
the breast and arms of silver, the abdomen of bronze, and the legs of iron, the feet and toes of iron and clay. All of these are significant and all represent the great empires of the earth, don't they? They do. And the verses, Chris, specifically point out that when Daniel was telling Nebuchadnezzar his vision, he said, this is your kingdom. And then another kingdom will come after you, and a third kingdom will come, and a fourth kingdom. Let me read those. I've got these passages here before me. It says, you, O king, are king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given kingship, power, and strength, and glory. And after you, another kingdom will arise inferior to you. And there will be another kingdom, a third one, of bronze, which will rule over all the earth. And there will be a fourth kingdom as strong as iron, and it will crush and smash. And in that you saw the feet and the toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, the kingdom will be a confused mass, but there will be some of the firmness of iron in it. For you saw the iron mixed with the earthly clay. So some will be strong, and part of it will be fragile. So these four kingdoms point successively to the next kingdoms that appeared historically after the Babylonian kingdom, don't they? Yes, Chris, this is the giant point of this vision, is that Daniel saw this. Actually, Nebuchadnezzar saw it. He just didn't understand it. His spirit was troubled, and Daniel got the interpretation from God to explain to Nebuchadnezzar, first kingdom. Second kingdom. And, this, and, and we know now through history that the first kingdom, Babylonian kingdom with Nebuchadnezzar, second kingdom was the Medo-Persian empire, which was the silver part, the breast with the arms. And then the third kingdom that conquered the Medo-Persian empire was the Grecian empire with Alexander the Great. And then that's the abdomen of bronze, the abdomen and thighs of bronze. And then after Alexander the Great died, there were four successors that continued the Grecian Empire right up to the time when the Roman Empire came, and that's the legs of iron. And then eventually there's a suspension in time where the Roman Empire is continued again with the ten kings, and that's the ten toes. Part of iron, part of clay. Which is the revived Roman Empire of Antichrist at the end of this age. So we see a picture that is all-encompassing of human government. This one image is all of human government, from Nebuchadnezzar all the way to Antichrist. Right, and it represents even modern government. This is the totality, the aggregate of all man's efforts to govern and rule himself throughout history. And that's why it's so significant and applies even to us today. I carefully say this. Now, I don't know when our listeners might be hearing this, but for you and I, as we record it, we're in the political season again. And, of course, many of our brothers and sisters in the Lord, you know, get compelled to try to reform fallen human government. Well, while that's certainly a noble motive and to bring righteousness wherever we can, that's part of the testimony we bear. But really, God's not interested, as we'll see as we get through this vision, he's really not interested in reforming human government, is he? No, he's not, Chris. <laughs> he has another solution, which I think will be part of our continuation. Let's join Witness Lee for the next portion. The entire human government in humankind's history, in the eyes of God, was composed of four empires. The Babylonian Empire, the Medo-Persian Empire, the Macedonian Grecian Empire. The last one is the Roman Empire. 
could you realize the Roman Empire seems now is over, but actually the Roman Empire still continues because according to Daniel and Revelation, the Roman Empire will have its last Caesar, which will be Antichrist, with the ten kings signified by the ten toes. So you could see the Roman Empire started somewhat 40 years B.C. when uh, Julius Caesar conquered Palestine and North Africa. In B.C. 27, Julius Caesar's adopted son, Augustus, was made a Caesar. That was about 30 years before Christ. This is 27 B.C., lasting to the last day of the three and a half years tribulation. So what? So now we ought to realize we are still in the Roman Empire. You may say no. I say yes, as the Bible says yes. Do you know today the world culture, the world politics, all are Roman. Firstly, the law today on this earth, all the law students do know this. They study Roman law. All the laws of every government, including China, were based upon the Roman law. And today, the politics, all the government, even the U.S., didn't throw away all the European practices. U.S. still continue some part of the European, that is, Roman culture. Matt, coming programs will develop more the interpretation of this great image. Let's focus, as he touched here in this section, on this matter of the Roman Empire having a continuation. I think this might be somewhat new or perhaps strange to our listeners, but he makes the point, and a worthwhile one, even our legal system today, our political system today, our culture in many ways is, is actually a continuation of the Roman Empire, isn't it? It is, Chris. So in that sense, the Roman Empire continues to exist We are still in the Roman Empire today because we still use the Roman law. Right. We still have the Roman political system. Yeah, we have a Senate. And the government. Yeah. That's right. So in a sense, the Roman government has continued. I used the word a gap earlier. Yeah. But really, it's it's a continuation. It's a continuation of this great image at the end of time that we're still in it. You might say it this way, Matt. Visibly, there's a gap, but in a hidden way. There is this continuation. That's why once we see this image, it does have a regulating impact on it, doesn't it, in terms of how we interpret even world events. That's right. Okay, Matt, because our time is short, let's jump to the third section. I've got a couple more verses here from chapter 2 that I would like to read to set it up. Beginning at verse 44, it says, The God of the heavens will raise up a kingdom which will never be destroyed. This is part of Daniel's interpretation, and this is really, I think, what's relevant for us today. And its reign, this kingdom God will raise up, which will never be destroyed, its reign will not be left to another people. It will crush and put an end to all these kingdoms, and it will stand forever. 
Inasmuch as you saw that out of the mountain a stone was cut without hands, and that it crushed the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. The great God has made known to the king what will happen afterward, and the dream is certain, and its interpretation trustworthy. Marvelous. So, I don't want to scare anyone, but this is God's solution to human government. There is no reforming of human government, is there? No. The solution is a stone cut without hands. That's Christ. We're going to see that clearly in this portion coming up. Now, we come to destiny of the great human image. To be crushed by a stone cut out without hands. And this stone is Christ. Christ was cut by God. But the main cut was the cross. He suffered a big cut on the cross. Not cut with human hand. Then Christ destroyed our cross, our smash, this human government. Not from the head down to the toes. But he was a stone. He will hit the ten toes directly. That means the ten kings with Antichrist. Revelation 19 tells us in the war between Christ and Antichrist. With Christ, there will be the overcomers. His newly married bride. And with Antichrist will the ten kings and their armies. Then the whole image, that means the whole human government was destroyed. Crossed into chaffs, blown away by the wind. That ended the human government. Meanwhile, he becomes the great mountain that signifies the eternal kingdom of God after Christ will crush the aggregate of the human government, he will usher in the entire kingdom of God to this earth. Matt, as a young believer, I was fascinated, as many, many, probably most are, with the prophecies and interpretations. And I'm not at all disparaging that. They certainly have a place, and even we're discussing one of the great ones today in the Bible. But what really impresses me here is that what we should see is the totality of every vision that's really of God. The essence, the focus, the meaning is Christ, isn't it? It is. That's exactly right. Christ is the center of every vision. He's the hub, and he's the circumference. And there's just a different aspect of each vision. And we're talking about the administration of Christ here, where Christ is coming to administrate, to govern, to bring in his kingdom. That's one aspect of Christ. Another aspect of Christ today, he comes to be our life. That's another vision of Christ. He's for the church. So today there's the aspect of the church with one vision of Christ as our life to grow in us. But this other aspect of Christ that we're seeing that was revealed to Daniel as a stone not cut with hands. It was cut, but not with hands. But cut by God. Right. And this stone comes to crush the image. I don't think Nebuchadnezzar really understood because that would not be encouraging if the image that he was a part of was being crushed by this stone. But we see this is what happens in Revelation 19 
when there's a war in Armageddon, this is going to happen. Christ will come with his overcomers. And that's why it says the stone there becomes a mountain. And that's the kingdom of God. Fills the whole earth. It's a beautiful picture. It is. May we leave our listeners, certainly with, I hope, an appetite that's whetted to see more of this great vision and the other visions in Daniel. It's a book full of great prophecies. But let's not get distracted with the prophecies as things of themselves. Let us only be, quote, quote, if I could say distracted with the one about whom all the proper visions and prophecies point. Our marvelous Christ, the one cut without hands, a stone that will crush the image and become a mountain, the eternal kingdom of God. So like you said, Chris, we don't want to be distracted from Christ by the visions because the vision is really to see Christ. And my hope for this program is that as you're listening right now, this program would cause you to love Christ, turn your heart to Christ, open to Christ, that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened to see more of Christ. Let me say amen. We'll use that as our closing word today. Thanks, Matt. Amen. Are you enjoying this program online or on a smartphone right now? Did you know there's much more from Living Stream Ministry that you can carry with you? Go to lsm.org slash ePublications to discover all that we have available for your tablet, e-reader, or smartphone. We support Kindle, Nook, iSilo, and ePub formats, which means you can read this ministry on any PC, Mac, Android, Palm, Blackberry, Sony, or Linux device. Everything from the recovery version of the Bible to the complete life study messages and a vast array of other titles by Witness Lee and Watchman Nee are now just a touch away. The Word of God is rich and weighty, but now you can take it with you wherever you go. Again, the website, lsm.org slash ePublications. Thanks for listening today. 